can show up for that. So, all right, here we are with Advent. We're continuing our look at Advent, going through different themes that we oftentimes do uh, during the season of Advent. Today, we are looking at joy, as you already heard. And uh, this year, we decided we'd go through some different texts in Isaiah. And so this morning, uh, we're going to be hearing from Isaiah chapter 35, verses 1 through 10. So I invite you to hear these words from Isaiah. Isaiah says this, The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. And they shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, during this Advent season, we come to you again asking for your Spirit to be upon us. That you will create space, even just in the next few minutes, to still our minds and our hearts. That we might simply be present so that we can, in doing so, feel and experience your presence. And I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. So we're here smack dab in the middle of Advent, and uh, I'm always reminded um, during the Advent season that I didn't grow up in a church that really celebrated Advent very much. I I kind of thought, and I think probably a lot of people do, that this is uh, just another word for December uh, is what Advent is really. And if you go around, I've done this, and you look around in some of the grocery stores or whatnot, you see, you know, you see things like Advent calendars, um, you know, a a half a bottle of of wine for every Advent day. Have you guys seen that? Uh, Yeah, some of you uh, still drinking that. So, um, and it's interesting, it's, it's kind of weird in some ways, but it's also interesting because almost always it seems to start on December 1st and end on December 25th as if 
Advent really was just something that started, you know, on that particular day. It's, it, it's seen by many, including those in the church, as just kind of being like a ramp to kind of to run up right before the big day, right? So it, it's all a part of kind of singing carols and eating holiday treats and, and opening presents until you get to Christmas. It's just kind of a, uh, that, that's really all that Advent is about. And certainly Advent is about Christmas, but it's also about much more than that. And so almost every year, um, as a reminder to myself and as a reminder to us here, I think it's probably good just to remember uh, what Advent is really about. Advent uh, uh, comes to us from the Latin word adventus, which means uh, to come, right? And so there's a, sense of, there's a sense of someone coming, right? And of course, we kind of, we, we kind of know that in a sense of what that means, um, uh, it, it's four Sundays that lead up to Christmas, and so um, sometimes that Sunday is, a, is the first weekend after Thanksgiving, like it was this year. Sometimes it's the second Sunday after Thanksgiving. Uh, so there's, it's never a, a set amount of days, actually. It fluctuates, unlike Lent. That's always 40 days, even though technically it's 46 days. Um, um, Advent is kind of, it, it fluctuates. Uh, we talk about different things, right? Love, hope, joy, uh, peace. And then we have these candles, right? And so we light a candle every week, and in the center we have the Christ candle. Um, and of course, then you have the pink candle. And this is what always throws people for a loop, is that pink candle, right? And people are, you know, it's, it's always funny, the conversations I have, sometimes I think that, you know, maybe maybe we don't see that. Uh, and so I say, you, you know, one of those is pink, right? And, uh, and sometimes I think people think it was a kind of a buy three purple, get one pink free kind of thing, which would actually not be a bad deal. We would probably do that. And but, but actually, and, and there's no real clarity on why exactly there's a pink candle. If you, if you look into it, you can see that. But the, the, the most common reasoning is because usually, or for a long time, the season of Advent was very similar to the season of Lent, so that it was a bit more somber. Uh, but in the midst of that, they felt like something should be a little bit more uplifting, and so they had this week when they wanted us to celebrate joy, and they thought it would also be good to have a, a more of a splash of color, right, than just kind of the darker purple, if you will. And so they brought in this pink, and so we have this, uh, this pink in the middle of, of, of all of Advent. Uh, and then there are songs, right? So, so there are some very traditional churches. Um, one of those uh, where I did an internship in, in West Virginia, or in West Virginia, in New Jersey, and there they were staunch Adventists, if you will, and so no Christmas songs were allowed until Christmas Day. Uh, and so, um, you know, and I don't know if you know very many Advent songs. You probably don't, actually, because A, there are not that many, and the ones that they have, by and large, are really weird. Um, but O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, that's an Advent song, um, um, but it, it's, it's, it's very different. And so then they would have, when would you sing Christmas songs during the 12 days of Christmas? That was the only time when you would sing uh, actual Christmas songs. I was telling my daughter Shaughnessy that we were driving in and she was uh, kind of saying how horrible that was because then you really only have two Sundays, right, to be able to sing Christmas songs. So we've expanded that a little bit, but that's, that's kind of Advent. So that's a sense of what Advent is. What, is. what is Advent? Advent means to come. So it means more than just Christmas, right? And that's what we want to think about. It certainly means Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, that Jesus has come once but when we think about Advent, what we're also saying is that we believe very strongly that Jesus is going to come again, right? And so it isn't just a time for us to look to the past. It's also very much a time for us to look to the future. This is why maybe you remember last week, Isaiah 11, 1 through 10, where Isaiah was kind of putting out this image of what was going to be. Because during Advent, we talk about what is to come, right? 
Now, that's a bit of a struggle. Here's one of the things that we believe. We believe that, that the kingdom of God came when Jesus arrived more than 2,000 years ago, right? We believe that as followers of Jesus. What we also know is as we see these images of what is to be in the kingdom, we realize that things aren't there yet, right? That's why we call it the now, but the not yet. Because we also know that right now there's brokenness, there's pain, there's sin, there's struggle, there's destruction, there's death. There's all these things that are right now. But we believe that Jesus came and we believe that he is going to come again and usher in the kingdom more fully. So we are living, in other words, in this kind of strange in-between time. And that's what Advent is. It is an in-between time. But that's kind of hard usually for us to grasp, and which is probably why many of us just think, well, it's just the time when we think about what was when Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. Which is why I think we should take advantage of this particular Advent. Because I would suggest to you, I've talked to uh, some session and, uh, or session and staff about this, it seems to me this is the most Adventisty of Advent times that I have lived in and probably than we have had in recent history. What do I mean by that? Well, think about this. In one ear, what do we hear about? We hear about death and destruction of COVID-19, right? That it continues uh, uh, to wreak havoc, that it is a scourge on our society. In fact, Governor Holcomb last week, to use his word, said that, that Indiana is on fire. And of course, it's not just Indiana. It's, it, it's almost everywhere that you look, right? It just seems like it continues to tick up the deaths, the hospitalizations, all of those things. We see businesses, we see the tourism industry, we see uh, motel motel theaters, we see theaters, hotels, motels, whatever else it may be. We see them hemorrhaging, right? We just see them absolutely just nosediving and having to lay people off left and right. You see people who are isolated and afraid. We see research that shows how people are so detached from one another, and so depression and anxiety are on the rise. We see uh, Thanksgivings and, and Christmases where families cannot come together, or maybe they come together, but they have to do it under hushed tones for fear of being shamed. You see all of this, right? We're living in the very middle of all of this kind of sense of the darkness of this time. also hear whispers of something over here called a vaccine. And, and we, 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 we begin to hear, wait, wait, something, something's here. There's, there's, there's a sense of something. I, I know that's something. I haven't seen it, but I'm hearing that there's some sense of hope over here with this vaccine. In fact, we're even hearing that people across the pond, right, in, in, in England are beginning to actually get it, right? In fact, one of the first people, did you notice this in England who got this was, um, his name was William Shakespeare. I'm not kidding. Did you see that? I wonder if, if in England, like one of the more critical workers are people who named after authors, right? Jane Austen was like, yes, you know, um, there's a sense of, you know, all of a sudden there's a sense of hope. And then you hear about the FDA approving it. And, you, and, and we haven't seen it yet, but all of a sudden you begin to hear, wait, 40, 50,000 coming here to Indiana, right? And you can almost begin to feel the prick of the needle in your arm, 
right? And so we sit here on the one hand and we hear and we, we, we see we, we, all of this. We're experiencing this, but then we are also hearing. We're beginning to lean into, wait, wait, something Something might be helpful. And if you, if you notice, sometimes you even begin to fantasize about what that's going to be like. Oh, my goodness, if this happens, I'm going to be able to see friends and family I, I haven't been able to see before, right? I'm going to be able to visit some lands that I've not been able to visit in quite some time. All of a sudden, all the possibilities are over here. We're not there yet. We're, we're not there, but, but, but we're beginning to lean into. We're beginning to expect with some sense of hope what might come. See, that, that is what Advent is about. Advent is about cultivating within us the sense of we know, we are fully aware, we're not hiding to the realities, but we also, we also hear whispers of God's kingdom. And we begin to see, as Isaiah, as we'll talk in a moment, is what he begins to give us in these images of what that will be. See, I think that's exactly what Isaiah is doing in this particular passage. He's living in this in-between time. Again, he did this in chapter uh, 11. He's doing it again here. Now, just imagine, if you will, if you were these people of Judah and you're sitting there and you're listening and you're living, right? We said last week it was uh, more than likely, scholars would say, Assyrians who had kind of come in and enslaved or killed and destroyed them and their people. You, you realize that you're continually living with fear of, of food and whether or not you're going to have water as you live in this desert. People are, are ill, and, 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 and in that day and age, it's hard to get better. The medicine was obviously almost non-existent in a sense. People don't know how to get from place to place. Think about this. Think about what that's like if you're in that particular place. And then Isaiah begins to paint a picture for you. Did you hear, did you hear how he was describing it? He's, he says that the majesty uh, and it's hard not to do something with this, of Lebanon and Carmel. It's weird. I don't know why Zionsville's left out of this, but they are. The majesty of Lebanon, Carmel, and Sharon. And of course, what that's describing are these were areas that were well known to be green and fertile, right? And all of a sudden, to think about those places coming into the desert in which they lived. That the lame that the lame will begin to leap like a deer. That, 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 that those who are mute, right? Not just that they will speak, but that they will sing for joy. That the hot sands were going to become a pool. That the highways would be clearly marked so that you know where to go. That there would be no more ravenous beasts. Can you imagine if you're there and you're living in this kind of time and place to begin to hear those? And, and here's one of the things that we need to notice, of course, is that, is that Isaiah doesn't just say, oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be full of peace and joy and love. And that's all fine. But what does Isaiah do? No, no, no. Isaiah paints a picture in full detail that speaks into the very heart of the anxieties and the fears of the people in that time. 
Again, just think about this. If we can, it's, it's a challenge for us to put ourselves in that place. But imagine what that would be like for you if every day when you woke up, you didn't know, is the famine going to begin now? Am I going to be able to find food today? Am I going to be able to find any water? Every day when you live in a desert, this is what you are thinking about. These are the fears and the anxieties in which, 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 with which you must wrestle. Or the hot sands. Have you ever been out where there's just heat and every day they have these hot sands? And can you just picture if that was you and all of a sudden you stumbled upon this beautiful pool of water? Or again, if you were surrounded by people who were lame, people who couldn't speak, and you knew that there was really very little hope for them. There's Isaiah, and again, he, he paints this remarkable painting of a deer leaping, and you can see someone that you know, someone that they knew, maybe even them, and they could see themselves just leaping and remembering what it was like when they used to be able to do that long ago. Or these highways. Think about this. If you were surrounded by, by, by nothing but sand, if you have to go to the next place, there's some sense. You can see the sun, but all it takes as you begin to walk is to just be maybe a half a degree off, and you could end up in a totally different place or more than likely in no place at all in the midst of sand. There are no, no signs saying this way to Bethlehem. For as you lay your head down and you begin to listen You're not sure if what you're hearing is the snoring of the person next to you or is a ravenous beast, a jackal, a lion of some sort. Will this be the last thing that you hear? And so Isaiah begins to paint for them this remarkably detailed painting. Why? Because he wants them not just to think about it or see it off. He wants them to climb into it and to begin to look around and to experience what is going to come as a way of beginning to increase their sense of expectancy and hope of what it is going to be like. Last week, I encouraged you to spend five minutes during your 15-minute challenge of, of meditation just imagining what the peaceable kingdom was going to be like. And this week I did that myself, and, 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 and some of the days I just kind of thought about it more broadly. Oh, that'll be great. This will be no more. That will be no more. But then a couple of the days, two of the days, I decided to think even more very personally for me. What, what will it be like for Jerry, for these particular fears or anxieties or brokenness that I have and I'm here to tell you that, that when I began to do that more personally, I could, oh, I could, you could begin to, I felt the tears begin to well up as I thought to no longer have that fear, to no longer have that anxiety. And see, I think this is exactly what Isaiah is doing in this painting he is depicting for each of them personally and intimately those things that oftentimes keep them up at night or awake them or, or frighten them during the day to think about those things and to know that in the coming kingdom 
This is the peace that they are going to have. See, here's something that happens, I think, as you begin to do that more, uh, more specifically, especially in your own life. As you begin to spend time thinking about what is to come. That's what Advent is, waiting expectantly, and not just in some general, oh, it'll be great, but in specific ways, which is that that action is one of those things that cultivates joy. I've shared before with you the quote that I love from Eugene Peterson, where he says that joy borrows from the future. Joy borrows from the future, right? He goes on to say, he, he, he goes on to say that expect or that, that, that joy is nurtured by anticipation. But by thinking about what is to come, that joy isn't about just what's happening right now, that, it, that, that there's a sense that even when things are a struggle, that joy can begin to be cultivated, can begin to be nurtured by simply beginning to imagine what does the future, what does God, how, what is God going to do in this place? What is that going to look like? Now, let me be clear. I don't think that this is escapism, right? There certainly are those who would suggest, well, let's just, let's just act as if everything is great, right? We talked about that last week. I don't think that's what he's talking about. In fact, I love this quote from Rebecca Lyons here. Here's what it says. It says that joy is not the absence of darkness. Joy is the confidence that the darkness will lift, right? It's not as if joy only happens when there is no problem. It is joy. You begin to cultivate joy when you say, no matter how dark it may be, what I know is that this is not the end. What I know is that nothing, not even death, as scripture tells us, has the last word, that there is still great joy to be found, that you can begin to cultivate joy even now. And it's a part of the call of the church is to be a people who are cultivating joy because we know, we see the picture and the image of what God says is to be. One of my favorite characters, if you will, is, is Winnie the Pooh. Anybody else here love Winnie the Pooh? He's great. Thank you. Thank you. Good. Winnie the Pooh was my very first stuffed animal that I had. I had it when I was a baby. I still have it uh, now, actually. It's somewhere. I can't remember exactly where I put it, but it's, it's somewhere. Uh, okay, fine. It's in my bed. But here's the point. It, I mean, it still has, like, the last name Deck written on its backside to make sure that when I took it to preschool, there are no thieves, right? Um, that's mine. I, deck on the backside. It's me. And, we, and obviously, our third born is named Winnie. I don't think that we did it for that, but there's probably some subconscious reason behind that. So A.A. Milne, you know, the author kind of, of Winnie the Pooh, uh, he, he, he writes out, he has this conversation that Winnie the Pooh has uh, where Winnie the Pooh is asked the question of, what do you like best, right? And so here's what, here's what Winnie the Pooh says. Well, said Pooh, what I like best. And then he had to stop and think because although eating honey was a very good thing to do, there was a moment just before you began to eat it which was better than when you were actually eating it, but he didn't know what it was called. Of course, we would say that's called anticipation. That's called expectancy. That's called, I would suggest, Advent. 
That's not to say, obviously, that when the kingdom finally arrives and it's fullest, that we won't be like, you know, that that won't be wonderful. But it is to say that this is this kind of, this is this posture of Advent, is, is, is that waiting. And, and when you, just like Winnie the Pooh, who can kind of picture honey very much, right? I mean, he has a picture of it. When we begin to picture and imagine what God is going to do in the future, then it is good and right for us to begin to be filled with joy and excitement, even before we have fully tasted of what is to come. And I also want to suggest that that doesn't just mean that we are only joyful about what is to come when Jesus finally returns, but that actually we are called to begin to have joy even for things that may not be, you know, for whenever that day, even things that may be possibilities even sooner than that. What, what do I mean? Well, I began to think about that because this week I had uh, two phone conversations with, uh, with two of our senior saints. I, I, I won't say their whole name. But one of them's name is Bob and one of them's name is Pat. Many of you know both of these people. These are the kind of, uh, these are the kind of people who, who when you see them, you just smile. Right? They just make you smile. Do you know people like that? And when you see them, you are, you are drawn to them, right? They've got great energy. They're, they're usually happy people. It's not usually people who are really depressed. They're like, hey, I'm so glad to see you. Um, right? They're just, they're just something, right? Where you just, I mean, there's almost a visceral, like when you see them smile, when you see them, you just kind of, you just begin to kind of light up, right? And, 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 and Bob, I haven't seen in a few months, I don't think, I, he was able to come to a couple of the, some of the outdoor worship services. Pat, I have not seen since March. And so I was talking to them, and I'll be real honest, that as I was talking to them on the phone, um, there was a bit of me that, you know, that was kind of sad. You know, as you, as you think about people that you haven't seen, and you're just kind of like, oh, So I was a little bit down, actually, in each of those conversations, you know, towards the beginning of the conversation, just because it reminded me. Sometimes you can kind of forget it, but then when you're talking to them, you, you remember. Partway through my conversation with Bob, Bob says to me, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. Uh, I don't know for sure. Bob, no pressure. But I'm hopeful that I'm going to be able to come out to the outdoor worship on Christmas Eve. And when I heard Bob say that, you know, well, all of a sudden I was like, I was like, there was a, a real difference all of a sudden just within my spirit when I thought, wow, I might be able to see Bob on Christmas Eve. That would be outstanding. And why not? Because it's going to be 55 and sunny. And then I was talking to Pat and we were kind of sitting there talking about it. It's just, it's just hard. This is brutal for, for so many of our, of, of our older saints here that we love. It's just brutal. And so then we, we started talking about the vaccine and just about, oh, well, when that, you know, hopefully we'll be able to get that soon. And, and when that happens, you know what, we have this hope that then all of a sudden, you know, then, 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 then she'd be able to come back. Oh, my gosh. To see Pat walk through those doors, are you kidding me? I mean, not only is there an excitement for me, I'm excited for her because I know how much she loves this place, how much she misses it. And I want you to know that right then, in that very moment, just 
thinking about Christmas Eve, just thinking about the time when Pat's going to be able to come in here, just in that moment, there was a literal change in me as I sat in my office talking to them. Once I got off that phone, there was just a certain amount of energy and hope. I hadn't seen them yet. It hadn't happened, but the anticipation had begun to grow. Things had begun to change now because I knew what was coming. When Isaiah sits there with these Judeans and the people of Judah, with God's people, and he knows the struggle, and he begins to paint this picture. He's beginning to paint the picture of what is going to be, not just so that it will change them then and so that they know that things will change, but so that they can begin to be changed even now. And then I just kept thinking, because this is just what I do. I just think, right? I just kept thinking about, what will it be like? And and please hear me. I'm not trying to suggest that the vaccine is the coming kingdom of God. But I do want to be very clear. I think that there are these moments, these pivotal moments when we get glimpses of God's kingdom, glimpses of when relationships are restored, glimpses because this has been a real struggle with people spiritually when they're able to come in and all of a sudden those who felt distance all of a sudden begin to feel God even more, diff- more, uh, more strongly. There, there's going to be healing in terms of people being able to come and being able to be with one another, just that simple relational, physical healing. All those things are glimpses of the coming kingdom. And so I began to think about what happens. And I know there's lots of people, oh, it's not going to work. What if it doesn't? Shh. Just think about it. Think about the joy of being able to see people come in, people that you haven't seen for months. By that time, maybe more than a year, and you see them. And not just do you see them, but they have no mask on, and you embrace them without fear that you're going to make them ill. Think about the gathering space. You remember it, right? When lots of people are in there running around. Think about the donuts. I can thank you, Tim, for clapping to that. Think about the donuts, right? Think about you guys making fun of me for how many donuts I'm eating. I miss that. Just like I miss making fun of you for being 20 minutes late every week. Think about new people coming in who, 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 who've never been here before and seeing you guys go up and befriend them and seeing the person who was a stranger now has somebody to sit next to. Think about the kids running around in that gathering space with a trail of powder and a trail of crumbs behind them. Think about some of the looks every once in a while you would give them. I miss those looks. Think about me walking back. I love and worship. I love being able to walk back into the hallways. I love being able to see the kids back there learning about Jesus, singing, jumping up and down. I love seeing the volunteers who are there working hard and knowing that they do it, not because they're getting paid, but because they love Jesus and they love these children. Think about singing within this sanctuary. Think about, for me, thinking about being able to hold the cup And looking into their eyes and saying, the blood of Christ shed for you. What a joyful moment that will be. Can you see the picture? 
Can you see it? Can you see the sanctuary with people singing and celebrating who God is? Can you see the gathering space with people all over the place going this way and out? Can you see people learning about Jesus? Can you see the great banquet and all the people here learning about Jesus for the first time or, or being re-engaged with Jesus and being made vigorated by Jesus' power of grace and love? Do you see the painting? Can you see this Advent picture? This is what Isaiah is painting for the people in that time. I think it's a picture that God longs for us to see even now. Not so that it will just bring us joy whenever that finally happens. And I'm here to tell you, I know the naysayers. I know those who say, well, you know, it's never going to be the same again. Everything's going to change. It is going to happen. And we will celebrate. But I think God is also calling us to be a people of joy today. Because we can taste it. We can see it. We can feel what it will be like when we are finally able to gather together in fullness without fear. People who are able to do that are a people of Advent. People who do not act as if all is well, even when it is not. But a people who know that even in the midst of that struggle and that pain, that it will not always be so. When Jesus has come, and he will come again. And in between, we will continue to get glimpses of this coming kingdom. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, we know that you have come and that you will come again. And in this in-between time, Lord, in this Advent season, we are reminded of the fact that we will be able to continually get glimpses of what this kingdom will look like. So I pray that you would help us even now. So not be afraid to imagine. To not be afraid to envision what that will look like. So that in so doing, we might be able to experience joy, not just then, but even at this very moment. Hallelujah. Amen.